Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask as we open your word today that you would just shine light on our hearts, that you would encourage us. Lord, we want you to provoke us. We, we want to be active in all that you are doing. We want to believe in all that you have said. We want to lay hold of your promises. We, we want to take seriously the words that we find in Scripture, because we're not hearers only, we are doers of your word. And so I just pray today that as we listen to the word together, the public reading of Scripture that you would activate our hearts and our life to be who you call us to be and to do what you call us to do. So use the rest of this time for your glory and for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in uh, the tail end of a series of conversations. I've called it The Blueprint, the church that God is building. I wanted to talk to you about what the church is and what the church does. And I've been using this conversation also to talk to you about our mission statement because we've introduced that recently. And as a result of having a mission statement, we have what I would call four pillars that hold this mission statement up, or literally it's how we go about um, fulfilling what we believe God has told us we're about, which really is the, from the words of Jesus, evangelism and discipleship. And as you can see here, we've talked about how it is that we're called to reach. And so I've preached about reaching up to God in prayer. We've talked about reaching out to others with good works and being a good example and the good news of Jesus Christ. Pastor Scott talked to us about how we are a church that restores because we want to be like Jesus and Jesus is the one that restores lives. He restores relationships. He restores people, and so we want to be a church that restores. And then last week, I talked to you about how we are a church that equips. We want to equip the saints or the people of God for the work of ministry. That means it's not about you know the specially anointed few or leaders or people on a stage. It is about the whole body of Christ. Every member is a minister, and God wants to use all of us. And then today, I want to close out uh, this conversation with a church that sends. We want to be, and we really are, a church that sends. And it's important to recognize that in the Bible, there are different words for what I am going to say to you today. I'm talking about we are a sending church. You could say that we are an apostolic church. The word apostle means sent one. And so when we say that we are an apostolic church, we are a sending church. We are a church that believes in being sent out and not just being built up. There also is another term that you may have heard before, and that is missional church. Sometimes that's a, been a popular term over the last 10 years or so. We're a missional church, we're an apostolic church, we're a sending church. They all mean the same thing. And what we're talking about is the consequence of discipleship. If we are a people who believes in making disciples and being disciples, the consequence of that kind of people is that we're going to raise up missionaries, we're going to raise up disciples, we're going to raise up marketplace ministers, and we're going to send the people of God outside of the gathering, and everywhere we go, we're going to minister to people, we're going to plant churches, we're going to send missions, missions and missionaries all over the world because we are a people that believe in being sent. And it's very important for us to recognize this is an, an entirely biblical model and an understanding. When you look at what Jesus did when he first came into his ministry, 
he called his 12 disciples alongside him, and he first called them as disciples. And a, and a disciple, as, de, as a definition, is a committed and disciplined learner of the words and the ways of Jesus. And in their world, that was normal. A rabbi would call students, and those students would be disciples. They're committed, dis- disciplined learners of the words and ways of their rabbi. But what we find in Mark chapter 3, I think, is an important part of our conversation because it shows us disciples and this apostolic ministry that started then and continues today. Look what it says here in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and he summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed the twelve. Some translations say he appointed or designated them as apostles, twelve people as apostles, so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Some translations actually share apostles. The definition of apostle means sent one. I know that we've sort of shrined this word and, and put it just, we've labeled it just to these 12 people, but this word has a definition, sent ones. So in a sense, the whole church is apostolic. The whole church is meant to be the sent ones of Jesus Christ, but these were designated as his direct apostles. He called them to be with him so that he would send them out. He just didn't call them to be with him. He had intention. He had purpose. I want to teach you so that I can send you to do what I'm doing. That is Christianity. And Jesus did send them. We read in John chapter 20 and verse 21, it says, as the Father sent me, Jesus speaking, now I'm sending you. In other words, Jesus is gonna go to be with the Father and sit on his right hand in his ascension, and he's giving the disciples power and authority to continue his mission and his ministry. And it needs to continue. And so he is saying, as I was sent, now I am sending you to do the things that I taught you. It's not just that you learn them. It's not just that you know them. It's not just that you memorize them. I am calling you that I might send you out. And that everything that I taught you, everything that you have learned, is now meant to be activated in your life so that the church can continue to grow into every generation until Jesus returns. And my sense is this for our church. We have a 42-year history of discipleship. We've planted churches, but I believe the Lord is saying that he wants to do more. God wants to expand his church into more cities, into more places. God wants us as his people to be sent into all of our jobs, into every sphere of society to be his, his designated representatives, that we are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that as it pertains to the mission of our church, that God wants us to plant churches for all the years to come. Amen. We want to be a part of something that just does not die out, but it increases and it grows and it continues to flourish throughout every generation. This should never die with any generation. This is meant to grow. And that's what we want to be a part of. We want to be an apostolic church. In fact, I would tell you we are an apostolic church. This is not a place of convenience. This is a place of convening. This is where God is bringing all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of places. And he wants to build us up. He wants us to come together and unite together that he would send us out, that Northwest Church becomes a place where you never know what's going to happen, but you know it's going to follow the biblical paradigm. We never know who's going to be called. You never know that you might get a prophetic word sitting in this service. What's it? March 14th. 
It may be March 14th that the Holy Spirit decides to speak to somebody sitting next to you and they just lean over and they speak to you about your calling or your gifting or your anointing. Or maybe one of our children happens to be in one of our services and we are the kind of church where anything can happen in anybody at any given time. You can't just sit there and sit back, amen. You don't know. You're like, I don't know what's gonna happen. God might say today is the day to get a word and March 14th marks you forever. We are a church, an apostolic church church, ascending church. We are saved to be sent, and that is who we will be. In Acts chapter 13, there's a great uh, a paradigm, biblical understanding for this. I've shared with, uh, shared with you this passage before. I'm going to share it uh, with you again here. It's what it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now, there were at Antioch in the church that was there Prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I love that. There's a moment in time where the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then when they had fasted and prayed, or they finished fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, and here it is. They sent them away. And this marks the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. It was not his only missionary journey, but it was the beginning. And it's important for us to recognize that at this point, there had been uh, uh, just a handful, of church, a handful of churches in various cities. The book of Acts is 28 chapters. It represents 30 years. And during that time, we read about 40 different cities that were touched by the gospel where churches were planted. In 30 years, 40 cities were touched with the gospel. Can you imagine if that was our testimony? That the church at, in Federal Way, the church of Northwest, had actually planted churches in 40 different cities in 30 years? I mean, I think I might have 30 years in me to run with you guys, and we could do so much damage to the kingdom of hell. It's exciting to realize that we are just on the beginning. I mean, some of you have been here a long time, but I haven't, so this is the beginning for me, and we get to do great harm to the kingdom of darkness and great good for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we know that the book of Acts reveals that the church in Antioch was a significant church, and they were much like what we read about the church in Ephesus or the church in Rome. They, they had a lot of influence. They had all kinds of people that were there that came there for different reasons, and they were significant because of how much was planted out of them, how much was planted out of them. I think it's really powerful, and, and as we think about being an apostolic church, the church at Antioch is a great example for us, and I want to share with you four things, and this will be a lot quicker than you're used to, I'm sure of it, unless I just go on a rant which tends to happen. And for some reason, you smile and you laugh and you, you egg me on and it's your fault. <laughs> the first thing I want to tell you, I think we can see from the text, is ascending church must be diverse. Antioch was a huge cosmopolitan city, 500,000 people. For the ancient world, that's massive. 25,000 of them were believed to be Jews. And Jews came from all over the place. Partially, they came uh, when they were kicked out of the various cities that they were in, whether it was Jerusalem or Rome or other places. So persecuted Jews ended up in Antioch, and they were believed to be there for 10 years before a Gentile church was ever born. And so many believe that missionaries came from neighboring cities and began to evangelize in Antioch, which gave birth to not maybe one, but several churches because there were many languages. What you see from this passage that I just read you today is that there were five individuals that were talked about. 
And out of those five, three of them were Jewish. We don't know exactly all of their background, but we know they were Jewish. The other two were most likely Northern African from Cyrene. And so you have Jewish, they would be Middle Eastern, and you have two that were black. This is what you have in diversity, and there were at least four languages just in those five individuals that were talked about there. So you have multilingual, multi-ethnic, multicultural. This is what you have, and these are Christians. This is a part of the church. And here's what we have to understand. Ascending church has to be diverse, and this is why. Because it takes everyone to reach everyone. I've had the privilege of, of helping to plant several churches. Some of my friends are Chinese and they speak Mandarin. And from the last church that I was a part of, we got to help plant a Mandarin-speaking Chinese congregation. And I used to go meet with their leaders and we would minister together. And often uh, it was so fun because I'd sit in their leadership meetings and I don't speak Mandarin. I just want to confess that to you today. I don't. I know you thought I might, but I don't. And, uh, but my friends do, and, uh, and one of the number one people groups that are expanding and growing in the Seattle Northwest region is the Chinese people. And so Mandarin is a very important language, and I don't speak it, so how are we going to reach our Chinese brothers and sisters? How are we going to reach a population that is growing and increasing in Seattle if we don't have anybody that speaks Mandarin? Well, praise God, we do. And so we got to be a part of planting a church that was Mandarin speaking, and I would sit there with my friends, and uh, they always felt really bad for me, and they're trying to translate so that I could understand. I said, don't do that. Just let me listen. And I was praying that the Holy Spirit would give me, you know, another, lang- another tongues, amen, another language. And I said, the Holy Spirit could do it. He, he can do it. That's in the Bible, your Bible too. And so I would ask the Holy Spirit, and I never really got much. You know, I was always kind of like, and, and I would try to repeat back because I'd be kind of goofy and it would, just to make everyone laugh, it was great. And I would say something like, did somebody say this? And they'd say, no, no, no. And uh, so I wasn't really good at interpreting tongues during that time. It was really terrible, that, that gift God didn't seem to give me in that day. But it was good. I was like, you guys have probably sat in so many uncomfortable settings. Let me just sit here and be uncomfortable. But I'm never uncomfortable. You know, I've been to a lot of nations, and I just, I just do my own thing in my own head. I, it's fun. I make up a lot of stuff, and I have a great time. But what you know is that what was amazing, one of the stories is when we commissioned the church, we brought them to the mother church before we sent them out. And they brought their whole team, and they were all sitting together. And so all of our friends came up, our pastors, my, my friend Pastor Daniel, he came up uh, with his wife Nancy and their family, and they have four kids, and, and then all these people from their church plan. And I didn't know everybody, right? I mean, I've met with the leaders, and there was a whole host of people that just came out of the seats. I was like, oh, this church is bigger than I thought it was. That's awesome. And we were planting them in Kirkland, and we were in uh, Everett Mill Creek area. So all these people came up. And we laid hands on them. We went down the row. You know, uh, we still do that, by the way. We, that hasn't changed. And so we laid hands on everybody. And after we laid hands on them, they went and sat down, and we received communion together. And uh, what I didn't know is that they brought people that day that weren't Christians. And we were laying hands on some, like, I think it was five people that, were, that had only come to the church once. And they announced it at their church meeting that we were going to get commissioned on this day to go and do this church plant. And so some people that were considering Jesus came with them, and I laid my hands on them. It was awesome. I didn't know. I mean, I told you how prophetic I am. I didn't know anything. But when we received communion, they didn't know that, you know, you receive communion as a, as a point of celebrating and commemorating the death of Jesus and what his precious blood means. They didn't know that open table, not open. They didn't know. And so they just received communion. 
and all of this congregation went out to lunch after the service. This is so powerful. Listen to this. They went out to lunch after the service, and everybody, Christian or not, received communion. And one of the ladies from the families that came that was not a Christian, after she received communion, she said she felt different. And Pastor Daniel explained to her at lunch that the Holy Spirit was doing something in her heart, and she and her son gave their lives to Jesus at lunch right there. And so here's... That would not have happened. None of those, are, that would are, which are friends now, none of them would have come to our church. None of them would have sat down at lunch, asked those questions, had we not had a pastor that spoke Mandarin. Had we not partnered in our diversity so that in our unity we can reach everyone. What I'm trying to say is an apostolic church must have a vision for diversity. Not for some optic or tokenism or some strange thing that we can say to the world that we really care about everybody. But the fact is we're trying to reach everybody. Which means we need everybody. The Bible says every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. And I believe that God is going to bring all kinds of people here with every kind of background. I'm excited about that. I think he's going to do that. And as he does that, he's going to bring us together. And we care not just merely about racial reconciliation, but we care about us coming together so that we can reach every race, every culture, every ethnicity with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. That's what we do. And that's what the Lord's calling us into more and more. Jesus said in his great commission, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I commanded you. So nothing is off limits. Everything should be in our view. We're asking God, bring everybody that you want here so that we can send everyone out to reach everyone else. And that means genders, and that means different generations. We need men and we need women. And we need people that are young and we need people that are old. We need people on our college campuses. We need people in our high schools. We need people in our hospitals. We need people in our places of education. We need teachers. And we need people that own businesses, people that work in every business in the city. We need people that represent Jesus everywhere in every sphere of society. This is what God calls us to do, and it's going to take a massive diversity. So we honor old and young and men and women and every ethnicity and every language. We honor that because God's going to use all of that. And so we say amen. Ascending church must be diverse, but ascending church must also be spirit-empowered. Ascending church must be Holy Spirit-empowered. Two things we see from the passage is the person in the work of the Holy Spirit when you see in verse 1 that there were prophets and teachers in Antioch. These are Holy Spirit callings. We talked about them last week, found in Ephesians chapter 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, which were given for the building up of the saints for the work of ministry. We need all of Jesus' callings in his church, not just some but all. There are people sitting here today watching us online. You, you lean towards the teaching. And you think, well, just if everybody just understood, teachers always want people to understand. That's all it's about. You need to understand. And the evangelists are like, if people would just share, everybody just needs to share and get out of the seat and share the gospel, you know. And then prophets are like, well, everybody needs to listen to God. Everybody needs to hear the Lord. And that's our problem. That's why we're not doing what we're supposed to, because we're not listening to the Lord. Everybody's got their emphasis. And you know what? We need them all. 
A healthy church cares about all the callings of Christ, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be released in the church for us to do what Jesus says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us about nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12 tells us about seven gifts. We call these their resident gifts that are given to those that have become Christians. And the Holy Spirit ministers through his people these nine manifestation gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God has called us to be not only diverse in our background, but he's called us to be diverse in our giftedness. And he wants all of the gifts to be a part of his church. We've got to be hungry for the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, something that will mark Northwest Church and always has. Pastor Steve used to always talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. See, me coming, that's not new. We've got a huge history built on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But that's not going to stop with me. I want you to know I'm going to emphasize the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the ministry of the Holy Spirit. My life has been altered, changed, shifted because one word from God came and I didn't expect it. And that word came and it touched my heart, opened me up to Jesus even more. I know it makes some people uncomfortable, but um, we just want God to come however he does. We want God to show up however he does, but he wants to fill us so that he can flow through us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, Paul said this to the Corinthian church. He said, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. I think it's amazing that when you see how there were prophets and teachers in Antioch, And it says the Holy Spirit spoke. How did the Holy Spirit speak? Through a prophet. They believed that God spoke and God gave a word through a prophet and the prophet spoke. The Holy Spirit did not speak out of thin air. There's a reason why the detail of saying there were prophets there matter. There were prophets. We have prophets here. We have prophetic people here. We can hear the voice of the Lord here. We believe that every Christian, spirit-baptized Christian, can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We teach that here because we need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's something that isn't emphasized all the time in the body of Christ. But that's something that will always mark us. We want all that he gives earnestly desire spiritual gifts but especially that you might prophesy that's talking about hunger be hungry for the gifts of the holy spirit let me ask you a question today are you earnestly desiring spiritual gifts don't answer me as rhetorical for now earnestly desire are you hungry for the gifts of the spirit you say well ben i don't know there's a lot of abuses you know i've watched christian television it's kind of a mess out there and Yes, but they're not our Bible. You know, people that have done things wrong in the name of Jesus should never become our Bible. Sometimes we stop short of what God wants to do because there was a bad example of what the Bible says. That bad example does not deserve to be our example and cause us to be afraid of stepping into what the Bible says. The Bible is what we need. If the Bible says the gifts of the Spirit are for today and Paul said earnestly desire spiritual gifts, I don't know what bad examples you've had, but you need, we need to forgive those and we need to release them. We need to acknowledge that they were a bad example, but Jesus is a good example. The Bible gives us what we need to know. And so we lay hold of what God gives. I want to hunger for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Something I was taught a long time ago by a mentor in my life is that we cannot just be a people that allow teaching to be enough. Now we want good doctrine. We've got to watch our doctrine. We've got to have good doctrine. We want to have good teaching. I mean, I don't want my teaching to be boring, honestly. 
I don't want my teaching to be like, oh, that's, I don't know what he even said. You know, I don't want bad teaching, but I don't want teaching alone. Teaching is not enough. It's not just enough. When Jesus said, go make disciples, he did not say, teach them to understand and know about everything I commanded you. He did not say, teach them to memorize it and to know about it and be able to articulate it. He said, teach them to observe it. Teach them to obey it. This is what this community is all about. It's not just the people of knowledge. We are a people of lifestyle. We are a people that live like Jesus. We are a people that have the power of the Holy Spirit like Jesus had. We're a people that see deliverance happen and healing happen, and we never know what Jesus is going to do when his people gather together because the Holy Spirit can do anything. That's what we are. That's incredible, and it sets us apart. But I want to encourage you today to be hungry for the ministry, for the life, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if we're not, all we got to do is say, God, give me a hunger for the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Certainly, we don't want to manifest that the wrong way, and we don't want it to be about, hey, look how gifted I am or (laughs) whatever, you know. Look how amazing I am. I've got all the gifts. That's kind of cultish where... You know, what's it, uh, Jim Jones in the past? I've got all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that didn't turn out very well. It's not about the person or the personality. It's about the person of Christ. It's about the power of Jesus being released and revealed. They were full of the Spirit. We must be full of the Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, you can imagine people are going to get sent out of this place and minister everywhere they go. Number three, ascending church must fast and pray. In verse two and three, it says they were fasting. They were worshiping, they were praying, and in that context, the Holy Spirit spoke as we shared, and he brought about, it brought about ascending, and we know that a field needs rain for crops to grow, and I believe in a spiritual sense that the harvest of the earth, people, souls being saved, lives being changed, that is ripened because of the prayers of God's people. The reason that we're emphasizing prayer, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to keep emphasizing prayer until I see revival overtake us. The reason that we must do that is because we have to cry out to God to do what you and I in in our own strength cannot do. God can do it in a moment. God can do it in a day. God can do it overnight. God can move in power. He can move mountains. He can do all of that. But it's as his people pray. And this is why we must pray. And so we have all these opportunities as a church to pray, whether it's Wednesday night at 7, which this week at Wednesday at 7, we're actually all, we fast the third Wednesday of the month. So join us in fasting as a church. It's an all-church fast. We don't want to just do it once a year. We want to do it once a month. And then I'm going to move from once a month to once a week, and it's going to be on Wednesdays. And so if you're at work or wherever you are, you're at home or you're at the church, wherever we are, we're together as a church fasting and praying. But I thought I might start you off once a month. I, you know, I, I'm really, I, I'm trying to pace myself, but I want to, fa- this is my desire is to fast and pray every Wednesday with the people of God so that we're pressing in, we're fasting, we're praying, we're seeking God. And I really believe this. I believe revival isn't coming. I really believe that revival, awakening, is actually upon us. But I do think that, that, that there are people who are experiencing that, they're receiving that, they're, they're being touched by that. I, I, I mean, I've had an awakening, honestly. Out of the hardest season probably of my life, at least as a leader, I've had an awakening. And I believe people that are pressing in as revival is here, as awakening is here, as God's moving and people are activated as Christians, it's those that are praying. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for what you're not doing. I'm just trying to inspire you, inspire us to be a people of prayer, the people of God that are praying. It's like they're pressing in and they're laying hold of what Jesus not is going to do, but what he's doing right now. 
I mean, I don't know, some of you came on Wednesday night, but when we come Wednesday night, I mean, we're experiencing all kinds of things Wednesday night. We're worshiping, and there's spontaneous outbursts of praise, and we pray for the young people that are meeting across the hall, and we're seeing God move, and we're praying for healing, and we're praying for what happens in the services, and we're praying for all of our outreaches and our missionaries, and we're crying out to God together, and people will come, and the, we have times where we'll just come on our knees and cry out to the Lord, and we're humbling ourselves, and you tell me if a people acts like that, that God is not going to move. I mean, you tell me when, when God's people come and humble themselves. This is why these outward signs, these outward acts, they, sometimes we, we think, oh, you know, we don't have to do that anymore. But these things like fasting, denying yourself food and, and praying more, these things like even being on our knees in prayer, these things like receiving communion, these physical things that the Lord invites us into, it's where we lay hold of the truths that he's already established in the word. And that's why we're calling people to praise, to press in, to lay hold of what God is doing. And the more that the people of God unite around what scripture teaches, the more we'll lay hold of it as a people. The more we'll lay hold of it as a people. And so that was my soft pitch for come on to prayer. <laughs> Wednesday at 7. Sunday at 8.15 a.m. before the service in the chapel. Saturday at 4.15 p.m. in the chapel. We also have those that meet on Saturday morning and they walk the neighborhood. We're praying over our neighborhood as well, not just in the building, but over our neighborhood. And now we have that group, Dr. Dan, Roseanne, and the others that join them. We're now not just praying over the homes, we're knocking on the doors of the homes. And I appreciate uh, how they came to me and said, you know, we've been praying in the neighborhood, we've been praying over the houses, now I think we just need to go knock on the doors. But you know what God does when you start walking your neighborhood and you start praying over all the houses, you start to get a heart for everyone that are in those homes. All of a sudden, you, we get, see what I'm saying? You, you, you are awakened. God is already aware of everybody. God is already, he has full knowledge of everything that is going on. He already knows the, the needs that each person has in our own neighborhoods. But as we start to walk our neighborhood and we start to pray over all the homes that are represented by, represented by families, all of a sudden God starts to let us into his heart and we start to feel something. We start to hear something. And just like the prayer team that was walking the neighborhood, they thought, We've been praying over these homes. Let's just go knock on the doors. Amen. We're alive and we're awakened to what God already knows and what God is already doing. You see, that's what prayer does. It starts to, you start to lay hold of what God is already doing. Sometimes we're acting like if we just pray it in, then it'll happen. We might not realize that there's a barrier between us and what God is already doing and prayer breaks through and we go, oh man, where have I been? This has already been going on. I'm telling you, revival is upon us. In this generation, we're going to see young people wake up in such a way it is going to overwhelm us. That's, there's a dark narrative like this is going to be so bad because of the, the leftist ideology and all this kind of stuff. And that's, yeah, and all that's bad, but I'm going to tell you something. In the midst of all of the options, God is going to raise up a holy generation that's going to say no to all of the options that they have, and their only option will be to lay hold of the righteousness and the holiness of God. He's marking people right now. And if you say, Ben, I'm not an evangelist and I don't want to knock on doors, but you can pray. We can pray. We're all a part of the foundation whether it's reaching up or reaching out or restoring or equipping or sending or being sent, no matter what part we play, we are all built into the foundation of what God is doing. And that's why no matter what part we play, we must pray. 
We must pray. We are a people of prayer, and we're laying hold of what the Lord is doing. When I close my eyes, I see our whole gym filled with people crying out to God. That's what I see. And until I see it come to pass, I'm going to keep knocking on the door with all of us. Come on. Pastor Ben, I'm feeling guilty today that I'm not praying as much. All right, just but come to prayer. All right, anyways, point number four. I hope you feel good and happy today. A ascending church must send. I know this is not rocket science here, but there's a point where we got to do what we're talking about. In verse three, we see an amazing thing happen when the prophetic word is given, they obey. They finish praying, they laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas, and they sent them out. This is Paul's first missionary journey, and the greatest apostolic ministry was birthed in a prayer movement. It was birthed, do you, do you, can you imagine if Paul even knew that was about to happen? Paul's sitting there with his companions, they're worshiping, and they're praying, and there was a moment that came, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me these two people for the work that I've called them to. I wonder if in that moment, I just, when I read the Bible, I think about this kind of stuff, I wonder if they go, huh? Who, me? And it says, after they finished praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them out. And you know the amazing thing is, they went. They left everything and they went. We've talked about change in our congregation. We've had so much change. And I understand that that can be very difficult, but there's good change and there's bad change. But if there's kingdom change, that's something to get excited about. And that's not me trying to be a cheerleader to uh, make everybody happy. That's me saying the truth is that this thing that we're a part of, the kingdom of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's got to grow. Things have to change. We need to have all kinds of growth just spring out of us and flow out of us. We are a river, and a river flows. It brings life to everywhere that it goes. A river brings life on its banks. And when a river dries up, everywhere along the banks, it dries up as well. When a church dries up, everything that's going on dries up as well. But as a church begins to flow in the spirit, as a church begins to lay hold of an evangelistic zeal, when a church catches the vision of it's not just about us, but it's about what's going to happen from us, when a church becomes an apostolic place and people, man, you just never know where life is going to flow to. And we've been having that go on. And, and look what we did. In November, we launched a church. Sometimes people come up to me, they say, well, there's been a bunch of people that left. We sent people, though. You, you remember that? There are about 35, 40 people that did not just get up and leave our church. We sent them down the street at Edgewood, and now there's a congregation there. We have three congregations. So we're one church and three congregations. Last night, I spent time with the leaders of our Hispanic church. It was awesome. We worshiped together, we prayed together, and we talked together. We have three congregations that meet today. Isn't that amazing? We're a part of something bigger. Now think about what we're really a part of, something that's going on all over the world. But there are cities in the Seattle region that have yet to be impacted as God has called them to, and we get to be a part of that. Steve and Jen McConnell are transitioning in two weeks. They're not leaving. We are sending. Amen? We're a river, and where the river goes, where the river goes, it brings life on the banks of its shores and it spreads out, and healthy things begin to happen and get nurtured. This is what we're a part of. Listen, I want, I want us to be a church that is mindful of expansion, not because we're ambitious. Who cares about that, right? I'm not interested in putting my face on a TV screen and planting some campus down the street. Now, I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing to do. It's just, I will never do that. 
I just will never do that. You know why? I'm not impressed with myself. What I am impressed with is the work of God to raise up everyone to do what he wants to do. We need more people that preach, teach, prophesy, minister. We need it not only in churches and church buildings and structures, but we need it in every business, in every sphere of society. We need to become missionaries. We need to be missional, all of us. And when we own the mission and the vision of what God is doing, it is uncontainable. The Lord's going to use us in such a profound way, and it just starts with us uniting around a vision that is bigger than ourselves. We are one church in three congregations. We have our Hispanic church that meets 5 p.m. on Sunday. We have our Edgewood congregation that's meeting this morning, right, right about now. Depends on how you figure out daylight savings. And by the way, whoever did that daylight savings thing, I wish they would have taken it back. I'm just not in agreement, okay? The pastors always feel pressure, like, make sure you send out the, the email. It's like, I always wonder, like, no, nah, I just don't want to. I, this, year, this year we did it, but I was like, no, nah, I just want to see what happens. That's how I, that's how I flow, you know? It's just, I'll just see what happens. I know what will happen. We'll forget because we work during the week and on the week, whatever. All right. We're a part of something that is sending. And I know that as we unite together, as we pull our resources together, we want to see this expand and grow. Not our thing, but his thing. As many expressions, diversity, all of that, but always grounded in the word, focused on the person and the work and the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we desire for every generation, and so we must grow. We must plant churches. We must send missionaries, and we've already been doing that together even in the last 18 months. Even in a pandemic, it didn't stop us from planting a church. Isn't that awesome? I was, I mean, yes, right in the beginning of a pandemic, we were called and saying, hey, there's a situation with Edgewood, and uh, it's been offered to other people. We want to offer the, the property to you, and it had, I, want, I want to say something to you. We paid off our building uh, last year in March. We wrote a check ahead of time, okay? And hold on, I'm, I know you're gonna clap. I know you're gonna clap, hold on. You gotta save the clap to the end. I should've told you that. I, I'm sorry, if I embarrass you, does that mean great? I love you. you were, were you already clapping? I saw you, girl, I saw you. All right, yeah, you're just celebrating, it's fine. Celebrate in advance. Hey, we, we decided, the business council decided to just move in faith, and so we wrote the check. We paid off this property, right? And so I was only a part of the tail end of that. So I, I, I'm just saying thank you, it's awesome. You should celebrate if you've been here a long time. But Last year, in the beginning of the year, somewhere around March, I got a phone call from our district supervisor, and he was talking about Edgewood, and there was a situation, about 20 people there. He's like, do you guys want to take this on? And I was kind of like, no, I did, that we were in the beginning of the pandemic. I wasn't really that interested in it, but we prayed about it, and I felt right, and I took it to the business council, and we talked, and we prayed, and Jonathan Westfall had just talked to me like a week before, a week before, and he's like, I think God's called me to be a lead pastor, and so in my mind, I'm boggling all these things around, and I'm like, game on. Right? I'm not trying to hold back what the Lord wants to do. I'm connecting the dots. I have somebody talk to me on our staff, and this is what he says a week before. I definitely don't want to do it because I'm like, how's that going to happen? You know, we don't even know what's going to happen in the future. But I'm like, you know what? We're going to take the risk. And there was a $412,000 note on that property when we took it. And uh, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen with money or anything. You know, we're just trusting the Lord. And, and so... Um, one of the things we decided, we had this A and B fund. It's called Above and Beyond. We've had it here for 17 years. 
And we've used that fund to pay for the building when we, when we built. This was back in the day, way before I, I knew anything about Northwest Church. And then we used it for Life Ministry, uh, Life Ministry Radio with Pastor Steve. And then obviously we don't have that anymore. And we used it for youth and the building and other things. We, we had this fund sitting there, and we had, I had to pray about how are we going to use this. I needed to present it to the business council. And I didn't just want an idea. I wanted God to speak to me. And so I felt like the Lord put it in my heart, this idea called Launch Edgewood, because our desire is to send out churches. And so we want to help them in their genesis stage so that they can go and be who God's called them to be. We, we don't want to be their benefactor. You understand what I'm saying? I don't believe in that model. I believe we launch, just like you launch your children. You help them, but they have to be able to, they have to be viable and sustained, right? And so that's the model that I have is that we help them get going, but we don't pay for everything to happen over all the years. We've got to keep doing that. And so I believe the Lord put this in my heart, and it was Launch Edgewood that we were to take that A and B fund and use every dollar that comes in for the next year in 20, 2021, every dollar that anybody gives to the above and beyond fund, all of it will go to paying off that mortgage. And I want you to know, we have already paid off $146,000 of that mortgage. So it's almost half done. Now, I know it's just money, but, I, but some t- our money represents our heart. It's the truth. And I'm not here to guilt trip you into money, but I'm not afraid to talk about money. I was in business for 15 years. But I can tell you, I, I, I heard a message on tithing when I was 20 years old. And this is definitely, I don't have any time to give you this pitch, but when I was 20 years old, and I never looked back. I've always given, and I've seen the blessing of the Lord. I have seen the blessing of the Lord times 10 in my life and in the churches that I've been a part of. And here's what I want to say. This is time to sow. And if, if, if for any reason you haven't been giving, I want to encourage you to search the scriptures and begin to sow into what God's doing. I don't want your money personally. I don't get a bonus if I give a good sermon or anything like that, you know. That's not what we're talking about. And I know it gets a little tense when it comes to money, but if we're going to be an apostolic expanding church, it's going to require our energy. It's going to require our resources. It's going to require our presence. It's going to require our skills and our gifts. Everything's on the table. And I can't demand that of, of anybody or try to check up on you. I'm just speaking from my heart and saying, I will never stand up here and ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. If I ask you to give towards paying off the loan over there, why would we do that? To launch them. Why would we do that? To launch them. To give them the best start. You know, a lot of small churches don't make it because they just don't have the money to make it. They don't have the admin to make it. They don't have the money to make it. And they don't have the resources to make it. So we're going to help them get launched in such a good way where we know that we did everything that we could to get them going. And they're viable and they're sustained. And we're helping them to do everything um, for the future. And I'm excited about that because we've already been able to almost cut in half what they had. Not only did we pay off our building and our property, but we were also able to cut that in half already. And every dollar that comes in for 2021 into the A and B fund, it's on our website, on our giving page, or you can always write a check. If you're interested in sewing into that, we get to see that happen so we can launch them really well. And that's just money because we're all a part of the expansion of the kingdom of God, whether it's praying, it's giving, or it's going. All of it matters. All of it matters. Every part that we pray, uh, play in this expansion, this apostolic church, this model of becoming ascending church. I wanted to share that with you because I hadn't shared that with you yet, but that is what we're doing. And then in 2022, we'll pray about how to use the A and B fund, and I have some other, some vision from the Lord that hasn't been vetted and approved yet by the business council, so I won't share it with you yet. <laughs> Amen. 
Because there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, and I, I have to wait to make sure we're all in alignment with some things. But I believe that the Lord, through our giving and our praying and our going, is going to do great things through a people that unite around the gospel of Jesus. That's what I believe. And so here's what I'm asking. Would you stand to your feet today, and let's pray. Let's pray that God unites our heart and calls us as this apostolic church, this sending church, to do what he's doing, go where he's going, and be what he wants us to be. And I want you in your mind, as you close your eyes, uh, just close your eyes for a second. Just indulge me. I want you to picture 20 years from now. I just want you to think, think, think with me for a second as we pray. Picture 20 years from now and all the things that you and I can do as a people, as we pray and as we give and we go. Think about churches that can be planted. Think about children that are dedicated to Christ. Think about people that are water baptized. Think about people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about people that have written books to encourage people. Think about ministries that are starting from the streets to the skyscrapers. Think about all of the things that you and I can do together. This is an apostolic church. Let it grow. In your mind right now, whatever you're picturing, let it grow. Let it expand right now. The book of Acts, 30 years, they touched 40 cities. Think about the nations that we can affect, the missions that we can do, the missionaries we can send. Think about our children right now that are 10 years old that are going to be 30 in 20 years. And some of them are going to lead businesses. Some of them are going to be teachers. But they're going to be spirit-filled teachers because of what you and I do here. Because of what we pray here. Because of what we say here. It will not stay here. It goes with us everywhere we go. Let's pray into that vision. Amen. You captured that in your mind? Father, we thank you today for all that you want us to do, all that you've called us to. And we want to lay hold of that in prayer. We want to bring you glory. Amen. Lord, we want to bring you glory. We want to see what you're doing expand. We want your church to grow. We're not trying to be ambitious people. We don't make this about us. It's all about Jesus. And so we ask you, God, that you would prune us, cleanse us, purify us, and focus us in on what you're doing, that your church could expand, even in the midst of where people are saying how bad it is or how dark it is. We know that your glorious light is all-consuming. And so we prophesy that you are expanding Northwest Church even before we see it. Even if it's not for five years, Lord, we know that you're preparing us to send out your best. And we thank you for what we've already seen. We ask you to do more. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.